Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. The question I want to ask on this program is, what kind of slave are you? Do you know that 50 times in the New Testament it says Christians are slaves to Jesus Christ? And you might think, well, that's pretty negative to call yourself a slave. In the words of Bob Dylan, you're going to have to serve somebody. Oh, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. <laughs> the point being, everybody is a slave to something. You're either a slave to yourself, which is bad, or you're a slave to the devil, which is worse, or you can be a slave to Jesus Christ. So are, what kind of slave are you, though? Maybe you're a Christian and, all right, I'll serve him, but don't ask me to like it. That's called a reluctant slave. Or maybe you're a lazy slave. I'll serve him a little later. <laughs> or are you a joyous, zealous slave? I want to serve the Lord. Today we're going to see the Apostle Paul write a letter to young Timothy the preacher on how to be a useful slave to the master. Would you take out a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and let's pray. Father, we do ask you to forgive us for how often we as Christians are lazy or reluctant or we have an attitude toward you. Forgive us that, Lord. And God, help us by your Holy Spirit be useful servants, joyful servants to you. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, Paul, the aged apostle, writing to young Timothy the preacher. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. The first step in becoming a useful slave to the Lord, depart from sin. So years ago, I go down to Florida. I, my first church was in Florida. I'm going to go back to my original church and just see everybody. And I take along with me a girl that I grew up with by the name of Carol. Carol uh, had some immorality problems in her past, but she had come to know Christ. Now she's a born-again Christian. We go to church. And, oh, Pastor Brock, so good to see you. Did you see that guy over there? That's the boyfriend of our worship leader. She lives with her boyfriend. We're so glad he came to church today. Please pray for him. And the woman walks away, and Carol says to me, Carol, who's been saved from immorality, Tom, that woman who's living with her boyfriend, she's leading the worship service? That's not right, is it, Tom? I said, no, Carol, that's not right. And my point is this. If you are not departing from sin, if you're living in impenitent sin, you're going to cause other people to stumble. The first step in becoming a useful vessel for the Lord is to depart from sin. Look at verse 20. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. 
Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. All right, I make pottery as a hobby. Let me show you one vessel made out of clay. It's a little communion cup that I made. If I don't fire the kiln high enough, my clay leaks, so it's not such a great vessel. <laughs> but on the other hand, here's a silver cup. This never leaks. And the point is, if you want to not be leaky, if you want to be a good vessel for the Lord, you've got to cleanse yourself from the old crud or you'll leak. You won't be a good vessel. So here's the next lesson. Cleanse yourself and the Lord will use you more. Cleanse yourself and the Lord will use you more. Um, let me explain this, though. God can use anybody. <laughs> God can use atheists. In the Old Testament, God used the pagan Assyrians and then the pagan Babylonians. Neither group knew the Lord. God still used these pagans to rebuke the Jews for their idolatry. So, yes, God can use anybody, Caesar Augustus, Herod, but if you want to be used in the gospel sense, in the positive kingdom sense of bringing people to Christ, the more you're clean, the more the Lord will use you. So how do I get clean? Well, look at verse 22. So flee, Paul's writing to young Timothy, so flee youthful lusts. Here's the, the way to get clean. Flee from sin. You know, the Bible never once says, go into the lion's den of temptation and stand firm. It never says that. It says, get out of there. Flee youthful lusts. Run from that stuff. That's how you stay clean. You know, I know a pastor who doesn't watch TV anymore. And it's not because there aren't some good TV shows, but he said, the commercials, the grody commercials they put in the midst of a good TV show, I can't handle, so I don't even watch any TV anymore. What he's doing, he's fleeing from sin. And let me just ask you this. Adults, do you have a screen on your computer that blocks out pornography? You need to. And especially, mom and dad, I don't get these parents who let Junior have a TV set and a computer in their bedroom alone with no screens. I'm sorry, are you crazy? We need to run from sin, not just the kids. The adults need to run from sin. That's the way we stay clean. Flee. I was told Billy Graham would never ride in a car with a woman alone. That was his way of protecting himself and fleeing. There's a story. Years ago in the South, there was a man who trained a rattlesnake. He'd whistle, and this train, the uh, snake would come out, wrap itself around his arm. He'd whistle again. The rattlesnake would unwind and go back off. He did this for years. He would entertain people. One night, he whistled. The snake came up, round around, and then out of nowhere, for no reason, the snake sunk its fangs into the man's arm and he died. And so will it be for every man who makes a pet out of sin. Eventually it's going to kill you, so flee from it. Don't play with that. Next way to be useful to your master is the next part of verse 22. Second Peter 2, 22. Flee youthful lusts and pursue Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Here's the next way to be a good slave. Pursue the things of God. 
It's not enough just to run from sin. That's negative. You need to fill your life with something positive. So it's, you just don't run and concentrate on sin. You then fill your life with the good things. Jonathan Edwards, back in the 1700s, famous Calvinist preacher, wrote a sermon called The Expulsive Influence of a New Affection, meaning the best way to get over an old love is to get a new love. The best, way to get over, the best way to get over an old girlfriend, get a new girlfriend. The best way to get over your sin is not to concentrate on your sin, but get a new love in your life. Fill your life with something new. Now, for instance, <clears throat> so let's say that here is a glass that I want to get the air out of this glass. Well, how do I do that? Well, I can put my hand over it, put a straw in there, and try to suck the air out. It doesn't work. Or I can get a pitcher of water, and I can fill this glass with water, and it just naturally squeezes the air out. You know the best way of you to get over your sins is not to concentrate on your sin. Just fill your life with the things of God, and the sin will just naturally squeeze out. doesn't mean there still won't be a battle, but it'll be a lot easier. So my point is this. Spend a lot of time praying. A lot of time reading your Bible. Spend a lot of time in church. Find something, some service to do for the Lord. Find something, some way you can work or volunteer for the Lord. And you know what I like to do? I, I don't like to read quite so much. I love to lay on my bed. I have a free Bible app, Bible.is. Go to your app thing, Bible.is. I just like to lay in bed and hear the scriptures read to me. Another thing, you can go to DesiringGod.org. Pastor John Piper is a great preacher. And go to the list of uh, men of whom this world were, was not worthy. And he, he gives you an hour and a half. He tells you the story of Spurgeon or of Luther or of Calvin or of um, um, uh, Moody. And he's just, you just lay there for an hour and a half and you hear the great stories of some of these tremendous Christians. Fill your life with things of the Lord. Uh, the Bible says, walk by the Spirit and you won't be carrying out the desires of the flesh. Look at verse 22. So pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Notice the next words. Along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Next way to be a useful slave. Pursue the things of the Lord with others. Along with those other Christians. In other words... There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Every Christian is to be part of the church. And if you say, well, I can be a Christian without going to church, my response is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I don't know anybody who has a deep walk with Christ who isn't part of a church. You need that. And if you think, well, I don't need the church, Jesus invented the church. Jesus is the one who came up with the church. And if you think you're too good for the church, you better think again. You need to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need your church. I need brothers and sisters in Christ. So, I was shopping at a thrift store a while ago. And this woman comes up, oh, Pastor Brock, we see your TV show. We so love your TV show, etc." I said, well, thank you. And I said, what church do you go to? Well, my husband and I don't go to church anymore. We went to a church, but we got burnt. And I just kind of said, you know, please, go back to church. You know, 
got to forgive whoever did whatever they did. You got to find some church to go to because here's the problem. If you don't have the church to hold you accountable, you kind of float. One of the reasons Jesus invented the church was so we would be accountable with one another, help each other out of our sin problems. And if you just float through life all by yourself with no church, you get in trouble. Some, a, a woman talked with me about a, a number of sorrows she had. And I said to her, you know what you need? You need to find another Christian woman and ask her to be your prayer partner. And once a week you meet together, you tell her what's going on, she counsels you, you pray together. Every Christian needs that. That's what the church is. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. And it's better than a psychiatrist's couch. <laughs> Next way to be a useful slave is verse 23. Have nothing to do with foolish controversies, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. The next way to be a useful slave to Christ, avoid foolish quarrels. Some churches fight over what color the carpeting is going to be. <laughs> no, no, just leave that stuff alone. Pastor Larry Christensen wrote a book called The Christian Family. I was uh, privileged to interview him. We had a TV show years ago, and, and, I, and kind of an expert on the Christian family. I said, Pastor Christensen, when you and your wife are at odds about something, or you're at work, and you're at odds with someone at the workplace, how do you handle that? And he said to me, the first thing I do is I determine how important is this? And he said, if it's not, an, not important, you let it go and don't, don't even think about it. <laughs> you know, there are things we have to fight about, if you want to put it that way. But on the unimportant stuff, the stuff that doesn't matter, you let it go and you live with it. Next way to be useful, verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Here's the next way to be a useful slave. Be kind. I discovered kind of recently that the pastor I grew up under died. Wonderful Christian man. His name was Pastor Paul Schutz. And when I was in high school, I could kind of be a handful. And I remember putting my hand up at a Christian retreat. Pastor Schatz, if you were born in China, you'd be a Buddhist too. And it's not fair for God to send people to hell. So I don't think God sends people to hell. He was very kind. Tom, Jesus said there's a hell. He knows more than we do. There's a hell. Yeah, but rah, rah, rah. well, Tom, if the Bible teaches, if God teaches that there's a hell, he knows more than we do. There, I mean, he was just very patient with me. And within a couple years... I was brought around to the truth of Scripture. The, the verse here says to be kind, gentle with people. And look at the rest of verse 24. Kind to everyone, able to teach. Here's the next way to be a good servant. Teach. Every Christian teaches, especially the parents. Uh, you're, I mean, my dad taught me some great stuff. He taught me some awful stuff. But teach is another way to be a, a faithful servant. So you know what you might want to do? I ask you to do this, I'll do this. The next seven mornings when you wake up, pray this prayer. God, today may I teach people by what I say, by what I do, who you are. Next way is verse 24 again. Teaching, patiently enduring evil. 
Next way to serve Christ is to endure evil. I would ask you to pray for the persecuted right now. All over the world, Christians are losing their lives because they won't submit to Allah. They're enduring persecution. I think in America now, it's becoming harder and harder to be a Christian. Our values are under attack by the government more than ever in the history of the United States. Nevertheless, Christians in America, we have a cakewalk compared to what's going on in northern uh, Korea, Chad, Sudan, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, uh, and pray for those people. They crucified our Savior. What do you expect? We are to endure evil. I just got back from my high school reunion. Haven't seen some of these people for 45 years. Well, the, the man that's running our, and we had a big class, 720, so there's lots of people there. And the guy running it finds out I'm a preacher, and he comes over and says, Tom, would you say the prayer before we eat our meal? And my response was, okay. <laughs> because some of these people don't know I'm a preacher. Uh, some of them are not believers. Fair number of Jewish people in our high school. And you know what's going through my mind? Am I going to pray in the name of Jesus or not? And I thought to myself, Tom, you better. So I said the little prayer, in Jesus' name. And you know, we need to endure people not liking us because of the name of Jesus. Don't be you know, proud or arrogant or in your face, but don't leave the name of Jesus off of your prayers. Next way to be useful to the master. Look at verse 25. The Lord's servant must be kind to everyone, able to de teach, verse 25, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Here's the next way to be a good servant. Correct with gentleness. The Bible says speak the truth in love. It never says speak the truth with a sledgehammer. Now, I got an email from a woman who says she's a Christian, disagreed with something on our show, just blasted me. And you know, she might be right on this point, but she was so doggone bitter. This verse says, when you correct opponents, correct them with gentleness. If you read the book of Proverbs, it talks about how important it is to receive correction. And we have to sometimes give correction. Jesus said, if your brother sins, rebuke him. So we need to rebuke each other and correct each other. But this verse says, do it with gentleness. So, a friend of mine calls me. Tom, were you at that fundraising dinner the other night? Swear to God I saw you. I mean, I swear to God there was a guy that looked. I said, don't swear to God. Jesus said, don't swear to God like that. Don't do that. You know, make no vow. And I said, and I wasn't there. <laughs> so, and I tried to do it very gently, and it was hard to do, but we are to lovingly confront each other, but with gentleness. Last lesson is verse 25. Correct each other with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Here's the last lesson. Notice here it says, God grants repentance. Be gentle with people because God might grant them to repentance. So my point is this. You know, you can be loving and kind and gentle, and still, if people don't get touched by the Holy Spirit, you're talking to the wall. 
uh, a few days ago, this Christian, this young adult woman comes up to me, and, you know, Tom, I go to these parties, and my generation just doesn't have time for Christ, and I just try to share Christ with them, and, and it just goes nowhere, and, and, and what do I do? And I said, well, do you pray before you go to these parties? Oh, well, I guess I don't. Well, that's the first step. Pray before you go. And I'm not sure she should have been going to some of these parties she was talking about. But I said, then keep doing what you're doing. Lovingly, humbly share Christ with people. But know this, until the Holy Spirit grants them repentance, it ain't going to happen. I learned this years ago. I'm a young preacher. I go to speak at a university. This was one of the best sermons I had ever preached. And I mean, it felt so right when I was preaching it. And I had heard of a, uh, someone who had brought their atheist friend. And afterwards, I said to this guy, what did your atheist friend think? And he said, he, after the sermon, he said, eh, I don't believe any of that stuff. <laughs> and I learned quickly, no matter how eloquent you are, kind, gentle, smart, God is the one that has to grant repentance. All right, let's sum it up. Do you want to be a useful, zealous servant of the Lord? Then here's what you got to do. Depart from sin, cleanse yourself, and you'll be used more. Flee from sin, pursue after the things of God, but do it with others. Be part of a church, uh, avoid foolish quarrels, be kind, teach, endure evil, correct with gentleness, and know that ultimately, don't stop, but ultimately God is the one who has to grant the repentance. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go to the thing about repentance, mm -hmm. that God grants repentance? Yeah. Don't we have to repent first for God to grant repentance? I would say you can't repent first. Because we're all born in sin and we love our sin so much, Jackie, I cannot on my own repent. Unless the Holy Spirit comes into my heart and helps me repent, I'll never do it on my own. And I know that raises all kinds of tough questions like why doesn't God grant everybody repentance? But the truth is, if, you're a, if you turn from your sin and you trust in Christ, you didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> did... Jesus and John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul always correct gently? There, I would say this, Jackie. Were they kind of blunt sometimes? Well, all right, I mean, for instance, in uh, Jesus called the Pharisees, or uh, the, uh, John the Baptist called the Pharisees a bunch of snakes, brood of vipers. Jesus, if I remember right, also called them a brood of vipers. Jesus in John chapter 8 said to the Pharisees, You are of your father, the devil. And Paul the Apostle, probably the most blunt he was, talking about people who were insisting they had to be circumcised to get saved, he said, I wish those false teachers would cut themselves off. I mean, that was a, I wish they castrate themselves. That's pretty blunt. So I'm not saying there's never a time for it. There is a time to be very clear and very blunt. But overwhelmingly, the Apostle Paul was very gentle with people. He only got super blunt when he absolutely had to. So th I, I, I'm willing to say there are times, but not, not often. Okay. Um, what can a person do to help persecuted Christians mm -hmm. today? I'll tell you what I do. You can go to persecution.org. It's, it's a group called International Christians Concerned. 
persecution.org. You can get their monthly newsletter telling you the horrors going on around the world so you can pray for these people, so you can give money. It's one of the groups that I support financially. They help the widows and the children. They help the underground pastors, and they, they provide some. So again, persecution.org. And International Christians Concern has a very high rating for the money you give goes where it's supposed to go. Okay. You know, we were, you've been talking over all this time about different things that we should avoid in that. What are some of the foolish quarrels that we should avoid mm -hmm. today getting into? You know, Jackie, just major in the majors, not in the minors. I will fight on whether we're saved by grace alone versus good works. I'll fight for the Trinity. I'll fight for Jesus being fully God and fully man. I won't fight for what color the carpeting of the church should be. I'll let that go. I won't, f I mean, s some lady at the church you go to and that I served for 29 years, was so upset that I wasn't wearing the robe at the first or at the second service, well, and she was ready to leave the church over that. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> so I think you know when when you, when something is important, we humbly stand our ground and we fight. When something just doesn't matter, you say, okay, I guess we'll live without the robes at the second service. <laughs> Christians can be stubborn sometimes. Yes, they can. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you be a Christian though and not attend a church? I wouldn't try that. I know people say, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. And again, I, t I quote Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assemblings of yourself. I think you're playing with fire if you think you can be a Christian without the support of, Christi of the church. Jesus invented the church for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, the church members themselves coming together as a body can do a lot more than you can do standing Absolutely. on your own. Absolutely. <coughs> yeah. Okay. Any advice for, in maybe quickly here, yeah. for how people should teach their children? Yeah, because we just learned that everybody teaches. Uh, get a good, go to the Christian bookstore, buy a good children's story Bible. You don't have to spend a lot of time. Just say, you read one page a day to your kids. That's all. It, and you say, let's pray, kids. That's all you need. You know, just get a good Bible story book. Read it to your kids once a day and pray with your kids. And sadly, so many parents don't do that. Start my, doing that. That's huge. Yeah. My first book for my grandparents was an illustrated children's Bible. There you go. And I think you have the same Bible yep. as I Engel, do. Elsie Engelmeyer's Story Bible. And it still <laughs> is a and good I still got, I've, I got a copy at a garage yeah. sale. <laughs> We want to thank you for being with us this week. If you have questions for Pastor Brock for a future show, we'd love to have you send them to us. You're seeing our website right there. You can send them to us there. And we just thank you for being here. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.